0: Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast. We want to give a special thanks to our latest patron to the Patreon account, Caleb Masters. Caleb Masters is a longtime friend of the show and has even been a guest host a couple of times. So, Caleb, I want to thank you uh, a lot for contributing to the Patreon account. That means a lot to us. Listener, if that's something you're interested in, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash good trash genre uh, check out some of the rewards we have for you if you choose to donate and check out some of the goals we have in mind for the show again that's patreon.com forward slash good trash genre cast if you feel like giving us some money if you just want to further connect with the show via social media you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash genrecast follow us on twitter at good underscore trash send us an email that address is good trash genrecast at gmail.com and finally please remember to rate and review us on iTunes thanks a lot guys Get to the RV.
1: Uh huh.
2: What's your favorite scary movie? I'm sorry I let you get attacked by a werewolf and then into the world.
0: I'm not one of them. I'm here to destroy them. See, I've cleaned up a lot of breeders. Families like cesspools. Filth making filth, making filth. And and I did it over and over and over again. But it was all leading me here. I was born to destroy Boom and the breed together. You're crazy. No, I'm Death. Plain and simple.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. And we want to welcome you once again to a Shocktober Marathon of horror films throughout the month of October. The third annual. The third, I know, we've been this- doing this long enough that there is a third annual. This, this is, is the, the fourth? fourth
0: annual? This is the fourth time we've done it. Oh, my God. The fourth annual. Oh, yeah, because we had the anniversary. So, yeah, it would yeah, be, yeah. wow. Because we did one in 2011. Oh, my, 2012, rather. Oh, my God. Fourth annual Good Trash genre cast Shocktober. Very and, exciting. And this
2: week we're opening it up with uh, Wormwood Road of the Dead um, and we're very, very excited to be taking a look at what happens when you uh, drink Absinthe and drive and uh, and discover all the horrors that go along with that sort of uh, endeavor, right? And, yeah, uh, I got it.
0: Wormwood. I got the joke. <laughs> you were very pleased with yourself. I, I really
2: was. I, I always am. I, this the thing that happens. So let's introduce the disembodied voices that are speaking to you through MP3 playing generic devices. Uh, if you would, across the table,
0: sir. My name is Dalton Stewart, and never grab a man's balls in a fist fight. It show's low character. <laughs> Words to live by. Uh, moving right around the table, ma'am, if you would.
1: My name's Alexander Bohannon, and I can't hold my rifle and my massive cock at the same time, Dalton. <laughs> 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 all,
2: all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, if you would.
3: I am Arthur Gordon, and this morning I shot my wife and daughter with a nail gun. I don't know how to make a podcast out of that.
2: <laughs> very, Very good. My name is Dustin Sells. This podcast runs on zombies. No zombies, no podcast. And we're very, very glad to be here talking Wormwood with you all as we do what we we shouldn't do, which is apply film studies analysis to films that do not belong in a film studies course. That's right, dear listener, this is not a review show, it's an analysis show. And so we're going to bring analysis to this film, and that means there will be spoilerific spoiler-riches, and we will be revealing the character traits of one Lewis Carroll and also one Vincent Van Gogh at the end of the show. But that will be preceded by, those spoilers will be preceded by a synopsis from the voice that said, and then our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. Without any further ado, Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice the cinema. Let's hear that synopsis. A
3: man in the outback must rescue his sister from a mad scientist conducting experiments on survivors of a plague that is turning humans into zombies.
2: Well, that's it. That 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 is sort of what's going on, although he doesn't know about the mad scientist for quite some time. So, but, yeah.
3: I don't know that he really ever... Does know much No, I mean, he's already he's just, dead. Like,
1: my sister disappeared, and now she can do crazy shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: What happened back there? And no answer. There's
3: the Australian just, Charles Xavier in the back of that van.
2: <laughs> oh, no. All righty. Well, let's hear our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews just in terms of what we think about the film, and then we'll get down to what we're supposed to be doing, which is analysis. I ask you first, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what say you?
1: This film, this one was fine. It was a zombie movie. I don't really have a lot of things to say about it. I don't. I rated it really low on Letterbox, but I don't know if I even feel that passionate about how low I rated it. I just, it's just there. Like I, I know I've heard it's like a labor of love. There's like all this crazy backstory, which I think Arthur's going to get into in his, his piece. But I don't know. It's just, it does some cool stuff that I really appreciate. But then it totally has this wick, some really mixed tone issues that almost gave me like whiplash watching the film and i I don't know it just it just also felt kind of draggy whenever we got into that the like last act where we're fighting in the woods and i'm just like when is this gonna wrap up this is gonna wrap up soon right you know and um i don't know it's it's fine but i don't really plan on watching it again
2: thank you very much miss alexander bohan and mr arthur gordon what say you
3: I did like a lot of things about it, and I think it does have a lot of heart. And kind of like Alex was saying, it really didn't set my world on fire. I I think it knows exactly what it's doing. I think it's having a lot of fun. Uh, This movie has a lower budget than Wolf Cop, just to kind of set a... uh, a uh, parameter there for for listeners Uh, but i still still think it works in a lot of areas the acting is good the direction editing are very good i think the story has some silly points but it may have one of the greatest ideas ever in brooke i love the idea behind brooke's character yeah Uh, at the end of the day this movie is an homage to mad max and 70s and 80s horror and exploitation i think it just wants to have a bit of fun and for that i can't fault it and i think uh, that it is there to be found in spades
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton what say you in terms of review? I mean, yeah, it's it's a perfectly fine zombie movie. Um, you know, it very much became... That was what burgeoning filmmakers did for a while, was they would make a zombie movie because they were easy to make and they were cheap and allowed you to explore some ideas without spending a whole shit ton of money. Um, and it's, it's fun. Uh, <clears throat> that kind of fell out of fashion once The Walking Dead became a huge hit. People kind of stopped making cheap zombie movies. Um, so it was kind of nice to get get this and get one that's good i mean there are plenty of very bad cheap zombie movies out there let's be clear Wormwood is not one of them is good um i think it's got some really really solid acting from some people that are not professional actors which i think is great i think especially that first 20 minutes where um you know they're telling stories to each other at the you know at the campfire or whatever um i think there's some really cool stuff there um the camera work is clearly um you know, riffing on Sam Raimi at points. Uh, I mean, this movie is paying homage to a lot of different things. I mean, they used Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead for the logline, but it's really more Mad Max meets Evil Dead. I mean, it's very, very um, much uh, cribbing from Evil Dead in several places. Um, It's fun. You know, I'll tell you this. I really do not like CGI gore. I hate it. It never looks good, ever. It always looks bad. Um, and this film was no exception. Uh, and I know that's a budgetary restriction. It's cheaper to go into the computer and add a blood spurt than it is to spend a lot of money on squibs. <clears throat> spend the money to get squibs. It looks better. Uh, I mean, if you watch this and Dawn of the Dead back-to-back, the squib effect coming out of zombies' heads that uh, Romero did in that film, it looks better. It still does. And I just... You know, that might be a personal preference, but um, spend the money on the blanks. Don't, don't do... CGI firearms, um, but overall, yeah, I will agree with Arthur and, and Alex. I mean, we're more with Arthur than Alex. I should say it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, it. It's a good way to spend ninety minutes. Um, and it, I, I think I will say this: it is a very strong uh, debut. Um, the uh, the brothers behind this film, I can see going on to do some some great work in the future because uh, it is a very very strong first feature film. Thank you very
2: much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Um, This movie's wacky. I mean, really, really Oh, yeah, no. It is. And I don't really necessarily mean that in a bad way. Yeah, I
0: meant that. I I didn't say that because I like that it's wacky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it it, it is. It's totally in in crazy places. It's really, really laugh out loud, funny at points. Mm -hmm. It is darkly disturbing, you know, this whole recounting the killing of the wife and children. I didn't
1: know we were going to get a full-length
2: flashback of that. I don't know. Expectation sort of plays a role then in one's experience. Because I began to expect one kind of movie, and then I sort of began to get another. Uh, again, it's, there's no, it's nothing I'm saying really wrong with it, as much as the, the experience itself, not knowing what I was getting, made it a little strange. You know. And that's mostly due to the fact that it is a really, really wacky movie. It's, it's like starting out with Evil Dead 2. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, tonally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Evil Dead 1 is sort of played serious. It's pretty funny because of how dark it is. This one's definitely trying to be funny, but it is Evil Dead 2 with the first 15, 20 minutes of Evil Dead 1. I'd that say makes, that's fair. You know, yeah, if that makes sense. But uh, also, the Edgar Wright homages I like a lot, too, as far as uh, directorial influences and in the way the, the film's edited. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know our biases. Yeah, generally, yeah, it's pretty all right. So uh, there's where we're coming from. Um, it's now time to get down to business. It's
3: business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business.
2: And that business in question, dear listener, is, as always, analysis. I'm very, very excited to hear what we're thinking about this movie. Uh, We've all got just a couple things that we're were kind of thinking about uh, with the movie. So let's just go ahead and go through those things very quickly, and uh, then we'll have some uh, further uh, round robins type discussion. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Well,
3: I am going to talk just a bit about the production of Wormwood and its role as what is known as an ozploitation film. Uh, usually when we think of exploitation, we think of black exploitation or rape and revenge films. Uh, we can apply similar rules to the Australian concept. Uh, the Mad Max films are the most notable example of ozploitation. Ozploitation was birthed in the 70s and 80s within Australian cinema following the revamping of the certificate system. Uh, following the rating changes, a number of privately funded low-budget films were made. A number of these were horror or action uh, this leads us to the present in Wormwood. Uh, many of Wormwood's generic tropes give credence to its standing as an exploitation film: uh, the zombie action hybrid, the gore, the violence, the setting in the outback is just key to this. The interaction between the whiteberry and Benny, who we can presume is Aborigine, all of these narrative factors develop the exploitation status. However, the other part of that is the production of the film itself. Uh, much like Indonesia, which Dustin discussed during our raid show, ha- Australia has a national cinema, wherein the government funds films within the nation. Wormwood worked outside of these restrictions, harkening back to the time in the 70s and 80s. Wormwood is completely independently funded through crowdsourcing and private funding. Uh, it wasn't shot on a studio lot or over the course of three months. These guys worked on it on weekends for four years. Its success, uh, its success is quite a story. It became one of the most pirated movies of 2015. It sold out screenings, which nobody expected it to do, and it is seemingly a passion project. Uh, the Brothers Turner produced, co-wrote, directed, designed sets, costumes, props, operated cameras, and worked on digital effects as part of the larger crew. Uh, the lowered production value, working of a budget uh, just north of $150,000, uh, is yet another marker of the Osploitation films. It takes us back to the time of Rambit B-movies, which flickered across Grindhouse screens in the 70s. Uh, The fact that it does so much with so little adds a lot to the charm of the film. I think its success means a lot. It has obviously connected with a large percentage of audiences, has received strong word of mouth, and is developing a small cult following Uh, I was expecting something much higher budgeted and maybe something much different, as Dustin alluded to uh, in his review, than what we got, uh, especially with hearing so much about it in advance. I think it is a fascinating film, especially from a production standpoint, as it seems to have captured lighting in a bottle, and I don't think I would mind seeing a sequel, especially if
0: there's more of Brooke, a lot more of
2: Brooke. absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you very much Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart.
0: I did just want to touch again on stylistically all the things that we see at work here. I think Mad Max comes up, one, because it's an Australian film, and I think, two, because of the costuming choices uh, and the use of the the sawed-off double-barrel shotgun. I, I, and I think a lot of that is intentional visual homages to the film Mad Max. Also, there is the the armored-up, souped-up car. Um, again, I think one of the, the things that gets lost, uh, as we've discussed, there is the same Raimi element with the body horror. There's a lot of uh, over-the-top gore uh, and vomiting, and also the quick cuts as the car is being assembled and they, the camera shakes as it's going over the car, which is both, uh, something that Ramy does and something that uh, Edgar Wright does. Uh, so you can tell in a lot of films, uh, <laughs> what directors people like when, especially when they're making their first film and they haven't really found their own style yet. They're cribbing from the people they like a lot. Uh, and that was something that I, I don't think you 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 can watch Wormwood without noticing uh, it is all of the homages that are taking place to people who are clearly these guys' favorite directors. I mean, without a question, uh, I think there are some interesting things going on here uh, in regard to mistrust of authority and um, you know mistrust of the military. Uh, there's the the guy that ends up being the final fight for Barry uh, is like Do you, you like you are costing the survival of the human race right now do you understand that and he's like yeah dude but you were shady and fucking weird so it doesn't matter so i think the movie does touch on some some interesting things there uh where governments and uh bureaucracies keep the citizenry in the dark and make it impossible to trust them uh, because we aren't allowed to know uh, what's going on for our own safety or some reason um and by that Or rather, for that very reason, we do not trust them because we're being kept in the dark. So even if they have the best intentions, it doesn't matter um, because we don't know what those intentions are. So when you do something shady and weird, we assume your intentions are something shady and weird. So I think there's some interesting stuff going on there as well. Um, There might also be some interesting things going on um, with uh, race relations in Australia, uh, just in the fact that one of the main characters is clearly of uh, Aboriginal Australian descent. Um, I'm not sure if there's really anything going on there other than that. That guy's just a delightful actor. Uh, I liked him a lot. He's a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, those were just some of the bullet points I wanted to kind of touch on before we move into our roundtable. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what say you?
1: This movie has a very clear stance about the oil and gas industry. (laughs) Basically, if you've seen the film or not, it becomes apparent in the first uh, section that humans are uh, commodities to be then first dehumanize, then sacrifice to the goal of resource mining because that's what happens with your zombies. You have this commodity, you find out that they're valuable, and then, you know, since they're subhuman, we can then use them to uh, fuel our vehicles to get to our end destination. It's apparent that humans have to be treated less than in order to feel okay with sacrificing them to be able to exploit the environment and them themselves. During 2003 to 2013, the oil, U.S. oil and gas extraction industry experienced unprecedented growth, doubling the size of its workforce, increasing the number of drilling rigs by 71%. Um, and then uh, the CDC analyzed data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the census of fatal occupational injuries um, during this time frame. The, oil, the number of work-related fatalities in oil and gas extraction increased 27.6%, with a total of 1,189 deaths. Um, And then, so you can also look at not just oil and gas, but just general resource mining. Um, In about every year, uh, 2011 to 2014, there's about, on average, uh, 749 fatalities. And that's talking about more uh, mining, like traditional mining. Um, I, I mean, they are sacrificed... This film makes it apparent that zombies are sacrificed for the sake of humans and that I feel like the filmmakers are trying to say something about the commodification of people and the willingness to use them to get these resources and then manipulate them to get their own goals.
2: Oh, I think it's absolutely happening in the film. I mean, they're they're using people to power their truck.
1: Almost so there that it's, it's so spot on that it's not worth the mention. But I do think considering where we live, Oklahoma, which is, you know, that's a huge industry here. And um, considering how pertinent it is to discussions of global warming and then workplace accidents, especially considering all the mining incidents we've been having um, in, the, in recent years, um, still, still worthwhile to note that people still die on the job. And despite people trying to mitigate that, it still happens.
2: I grew up in fear. My dad is a was a driller and tool pusher motor hand on oil rigs my entire life uh, growing up, and I knew it was the most dangerous industry in the world, and I lived every day in fear that one of these days I'd get a phone call so um, thank you very much for that reading I love it very very much uh, what I want to say in terms of analysis is that this film is sort of a love letter to the zombie genre uh, going back to the very beginning it's just the, uh, the, the arrival of the zombies with an asteroid which is, goes all the way back to Night of the Living Dead which is not totally explained and I like that that, that detail sort of you know taken away and we don't, we don't have a whole lot with it also sort of the deadite zombie uh, references from Sam Raimi, um, you know things that look very much like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is far as the action goes uh, a fine way to find a way to mix both the slow zombie and the fast zombie in that they're faster at yeah, night
0: have them be nocturnal
2: which uh yeah. which actually ties back to the original origin story of the zombies back to george A. romero which was a vampire story richard matheson's i am legend mm-hmm. uh that he used and uh, so zombies actually were vampires first and instead of blood they just switched it over to flesh and again undead just like vampires, but more like the sort of corpsey walking thing, rather than as opposed
0: to something that's frozen in time.
2: Well, that yeah, sexy aristocrat, uh, you know that kind of thing going on. So there's all that going on, but what's most wonderful to my mind is the fact that we have the character um, who is a controller of the zombies. Now they they have a sciency, semi sciency, without giving us the scientific details, and thank goodness for that. Yeah, because who cares? Yeah, that'd have made it terrible. But she's able to control zombies, and as Takes us all the way back to before Romero came. Zombie movies were about Haitian voodoo zombies. It was you? about mind control and the ability to have uh, these sort of serf slash slaves uh, under uh, your uh, thumb. And uh, she even holds her hands like Bella Lugosi when she's uh, extending them to control the zombies, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And so I, I really just like the, the the meta nature of how they put the narrative together. And I do like to see a little bit of a comeback of the voodoo. Concept in the contemporary, you know, uh, risen for the dead sort of, you know, walking corpse uh, mode and model of zombie. So I want to talk for a bit about um, the introduction of our female character, whose name is Brooke. Brooke, thank you very much. I, I keep wanting to call her River because she's basically yeah. this, you know, River sort of, Tam. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely the sort of Firefly reference working there. Um, but specifically, what she's doing. As we are introduced to the character, and then what is done to her... And uh, as a result of you know being captured by the mad scientist. And is there some sort of relationship to that? What do we think about the sort of BDSM representation? Just we'll just, speak for a moment about that particular depiction representation.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, because when we first meet her, she's doing some weird artsy stuff with some jeans. And we're like, what the fuck is happening there? And then we realize that she's an artist of some kind. She's doing a photo shoot that involves... Um, a model who is painted up like a, a ghoul of some sort and is chained up on these rafters and doing spooky. She's got Zia de los Muertos sort of look to her exactly. face makeup. Um, and then she ends up in a room full of chained up zombies. So I, I don't know if the our our, uh, our brother directors are just like really into uh, women being tied up, uh, or they they just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition to have somebody end up in the middle uh, of this you know this uh this play uh um, this play imagination thing that they had set up and then find it very very real and find themselves stuck in the middle of it um i, I think it is a very interesting choice though uh, and it's very clearly a deliberate one um my my wonder is you know if if they're they're speaking to a larger unconscious uh, sexual thing uh or they just thought it was interesting to have one character end up in something twice it just in different ways.
1: It could be it could be an interesting critique considering okay. She's taking she's taking photos and then someone else is going to be consuming the, that media and you know for purposes unknown, you know, they they're going to be looking at these photos for Delight, or maybe arousal purposes. I, arousal, would think. I, I don't know. I, mean, I the, mean, they felt artsy enough that it could go, yeah. The costume
0: wasn't that wasn't yeah. particularly sexual,
1: but it could be like I could see that displayed at like one of those. They have these art shows around here that are like kind of like feministy with like they kind of have like sexual themes, but they're not explicit, you know? Yeah, um, so it could be showed at that, and then. And then so it kind of has that little voyeuristic in vibe there. But then whenever you go to this trailer and then you're watching this attractive woman being, you know, chained up kind of alluringly, mm-hmm. you, you, you yourself are then forced. Well, to and she's the, got a lot of
0: side boob going on.
1: Yeah. That bra choice. Anyway. So she's forced. Same
0: costumes for four years. Yeah.
1: <laughs> she then was forced to be in forcing the viewer to be in a voyeuristic place. Um, you know, with with uh, absolutely no no choice on that one.
2: And I, I wonder again, you know, that particular depiction uh, versus again this use of exploitation. The primary audiences for perhaps that particular genre of exploitative photography slash video slash pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is some subtle suggestion that this is the kind of people who do this, and is there some sort of moral ground for what ends up happening to him? I don't know. Is there some sort of other uh you know comment being made about just the fact that it is the consumption and you know destruction of lives of people around you. I I am not sure.
1: Uh I just think about it for a second guys. I think that you might be onto something about the consumers of this kind of media because he amputates off his hand. going to let that one sit. Okay. Yeah, there,
2: there 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 may be something going on there. I don't know. And again, <laughs> it does seem to be Perhaps a negative commentary being hap- happening here, but that's being said. They're doing this because it does sell. I mean, there, there is there's definitely an intention that when we see uh, Brooke tied up, that we are supposed to be aroused, you know, to to some extent, and uh, that well, and that's even what horror fans are looking for, so to, playing to that. To leave
0: the meta text and go back to the text itself um, for a second. I mean. Uh... You know, we're led to believe that whatever is happening is f- to the end for some greater good, the greater good. Uh, but, but what? What the fuck? We're tying up girls and injecting zombie blood into the back of their their dome, and you know, and if they die, then you know they get their brains sucked out because that's what happens to the guy next to her. Um, and you know, at the end of the movie, the sergeant for these military guys is like, "You're you're messing with the likelihood of humanity's survival." Um, yeah who cares you weirdo mm-hmm. and and again, I think that just brings back to th- this idea that who it doesn 't matter if what you 're doing is allegedly for some greater good if you 're being shady and weird about it and keeping people in the dark um and now i 'm on a watch list of some kind but my my <laughs> my point is you know you can 't expect people to just take your word that you have their best interests in mind. You need to show them the why and the how and the where, I guess. Well, there you
2: go, dear listener. You've heard some sparkling analysis from my dear co-hosts, and we come now to the part of the show where we render a verdict whether this film belongs in the shelf or in the trash and what our else or our instead may be. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you? Well, I think it has a lot
3: of heart, I think I have to say trash. I don't think you have to go out of your way to watch this one. Uh, there are more enjoyable zombie films to be watched, and I don't think this is on that list. There's not going to be a hole in your life if you don't see it. I give it six mobile labs traveling down the highway out of ten. You don't need to see this. Instead, watch any of the Mad Max films or a zombie film, any of those that we've mentioned tonight. There are numerous, the recommends that we've already made. I'd again recommend Maggie, uh, the zombie film starring the Schwarzenegger. Uh, Also, Fido, uh, which does some really fun stuff with the zombie genre. And then finally,
2: uh, watch Crocodile Dundee and then go walkabout. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Alexander Bohan, what say you shovel trash else or instead?
1: Oh, this is this is a trasher, guys. I it, it does have a lot of spirit and I do appreciate Indy any forays into mainstream cinema and everything like that, but it's I mean, it's not anything you really need to see. Um if you like zombies, see it, but I can't really recommend it personally. I give it six out of thirteen self amputated hands. And I definitely wrote that before I even said the thing about um implicit sure masturbation. Um I would recommend is instead go uh check out I guess I am legend, the Will Smith version. You could read it, I guess, if you wanted. Um you know it's fantastic. I no, no I was
0: sneering at the Will Smith run. yeah like fuck that movie I mean you
1: could go and read it it's just it's the, better than the, the Omega the, Man the concept, it's not better than
0: this movie
1: the concept of the mm. I Am Legend because it is the basis read it yes. watch it if you're yes. more of a watcher watch uh, it. There a really, it there was so. a really there was a really
0: great graphic novel adaptation
1: oh, well, that was out for hell, a while i read that I want to read uh, that now <laughs> Yeah,
0: I, I can't find it I haven't been able to find it for years but yeah, yeah. they adapted the full novel well, into a comic I'm all over that it was beautiful
1: um, I'd also recommend I uh mean obviously mad max that's just another thing especially fury road and then i would also recommend wolf cop if you want to see a movie that i think is shelfable as an indie foray into cinema uh horror cinema that is a romping wacky good time um, but does a lot better i think personally
2: excellent thank you very much miss alexander Bohannon, mr dalton stewart who wears his sunglasses indoors and at night what say you
0: you know, in this world where we're being harsher uh, and trying to be more decisive, uh, yeah, trash. It's not, Netflix is where this belongs. You do not need to own this movie. If you're homesick from work, which is where I was when I watched this movie for our recording, that was a perfectly good way to spend my afternoon. But, I, yeah, you don't make time for this movie. Don't put it on your shelf. It doesn't belong there. Um, I would recommend an Australian apocalypse movie from uh, last year, The Rover. Um, which is super good, Um, a lot better than this movie. Um, But, you know, there's also a lot more money there and uh, a lot more experience uh, going into that film, but it is also way better. Uh, I would recommend Evil Dead, uh, specifically Evil Dead 2, um, because it is. I think it strikes the balance of terror and comedy a lot uh, more strongly, Uh, and its effects hold up really well. There's better movies that do a lot of the things in this. Obviously, you know, if you want to see the roots of exploitation, you should watch the original Mad Max. Uh, and you know, and if these guys go on to have a career, anything with the the re- return on investment that George Miller has gotten from Mad Max One all the way to Fury Road this year, uh, if, if our brother filmmakers that made Wormwood have that kind of career, then. They're going to make something absolutely stellar. Uh, But Wormwood is, you know, until they prove that history demands you see their first feature, you don't need this in your life. Thank
2: you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am going to say for general audiences, this is definitely a trash film. My al- other alternate recommendations, however you would classify them based on your own personal you know, um, interest classification, is I would say see some of the originals and make your own mashup. Do do the thing with all the things. So see Night the Living Dead and then see Bela Lugosi and White Zombie and figure out some way to negotiate – all of the zombie tropes and uh, sort of mythology and make another movie because I think I'd like to see more of that. Well, there you go, dear listener. Now you know uh, where we would categorize and where we would shelf or trash this film. We'd love to hear your feedback. Arthur, where does that happen again?
3: Uh, Firstly, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash genre cast. We have a bit of feedback coming in. In response to enjoyment of martial arts films, uh, Randall Bayes says that the drunken master is one of his faves. Fun. Solid pick. While Elizabeth Collins says that yes, she likes martial arts films. Uh, When asked about being fired up in pop culture, uh, Caleb Masters said to, quote, Bring on the Oscar bait, and then posted a link to the Jobs trailer. Uh, Randall Bayes screened Jungle Book, and Elizabeth Collins pondered whether she should watch Veep following the Emmy Awards. Yes, you should watch Veep. It's very funny. Brigham Cole played our Tower of Guns game from The Raid and set a Max Payne adaptation, voiding Marky Mark's version. Okay. Okay.
2: Uh, Okay.
0: There there are moments of that Marky Mark version that aren't terrible, but it's not good. uh, His next pick is The Wrong Place, Wrong
3: Time, Everyman, OG John McClane. Yes. He would like to see The Punisher raid a Tower of Guns. And finally, he wants to see a John McClane Max Payne crossover. <laughs>
0: Ridiculous!
3: Wow. That's just wow. silly. That's fun. Uh, in response to our Wolves and Sheep's Clothing game, uh, Elizabeth Collins seconded my Hannibal recommendation, and Caleb Masters chimed in with Ozzy Mendias from The Watchmen. Uh, nice pick. Over on Google Plus, we have some feedback coming in on the raid. Uh, user Esco says that the raid is dope and is better than the second uh user agree user two down also likes the franchise rawl uh says that both are awesome uh william Wilbanks says that the movie is awesome and was totally blown away by the action and alex Mills says the second is good and does some great stuff with the shooting of the action sequences but prefers the simplicity of the first one and says that it felt more fresh when he first saw it so we have quite a bit of feedback coming in this week guys we appreciate that and we love to hear from you so keep it up please
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, know they anything else about thy social media?
0: Yeah, you can find the Good Trash Honor cast on Twitter at good underscore trash. I don't have anything silly for you this week. Sorry. That's all right. I ask you an iambic pentameter, so at least we have that. You know, you you take what you can get, and you won't throw a fit. (laughs) Uh, Not a lot of feedback coming in this week, mostly retweets and favorites, although there were a crap ton of them, so thank you for that, listener. Uh, But Alex and... uh, uh, Caleb had a pretty funny exchange. Alex from the show's Twitter account posted a link to a uh, Mary Sue article, uh, stating that Hugh Jackman said that he thinks Tom Hardy should take over for him as Wolverine. Uh, Caleb Master and Alex mentioned, "Yeah, we'd be fine with that because Tom Hardy should do everything." Yes. Uh, and Caleb Masters said, he- "It's a good choice," but the question we have to ask ourselves is, "How many franchises can Tom Hardy run?" To which Alex reposted the best thing ever, which is a GIF of Tom Hardy saying. It's all right. I can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I don't know fun. where you found that.
1: I just Googled Tom Hardy Gifts, and I found like the one that had the most appropriate response.
2: Congratulations, Ms. Bohannon. You have broken the internet. Well I done. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart, for that Twitter feedback. I appreciate it all very, very much. We move on now as we look at the time that escapes us so quickly, and we realize it's time to play the game. Play the game. <laughs> this week's game is to pitch
0: your movie with the logline, This Film Meets That Film. Oh, that's right, This Film Meets That Film Loglines, brought to you by Wormwood. The posters tell you it's Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead. I really feel like it's more Mad Max meets Evil Dead, but that's just me. Thank you very much. It is just you, Dalton. Thank you. Uh, no, actually, it's not. You're actually accurate. So let's go ahead and with that gameplay, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What say you? Well, first of all, uh, we played a game similar to this that was genre mashups back on Event Horizon, um, and I would love to see Die Hard meets Event Horizon. Um, just one yes. of one of the guys on the ship is just uh, somewhat capable of defending himself and gets uh, has to fight his way out of a, a haunted house ship. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, One that I've been talking about for years, sinister—not sinister, Sinister, but insidious—meets Inception. Uh, I I love the idea of uh, a team uh, just like having to go into people's uh, scary ghost dreams, or like it's—it's a team of exorcists, but they have to do like dream sharing to exorcise the demon. Um, I'm picturing something, you know, just like tactical things, and they're running around doing tactical shit, but they're getting snatched up by demons. It's
2: almost Inception meets uh, Dream Warriors, right? Yeah, a little bit,
0: exactly. Yeah, I think that would be so much fun. Um, And, you know, we've talked about this on the show before. I feel like every horror sequel... Should go the aliens route where, okay, now you've seen regular people get killed by this thing. Now meet people who should be able to fight this thing and still get their asses handed to them. I think that would be great. So, really, I don't feel like we've gotten that enough with ghosts. We've got Ghostbusters, but no. I, you know, I want I want a military team fighting uh, Spookies. I think that's always fun. And goes to further make... I don't know. There's something very scary to me about showing just how, like, yes, even if you have a weapon and the skills to defend yourself, you're still completely powerless. And to me... That is what is the most frightening in horror films is a complete inability to defend yourself, like complete powerlessness. That is, to me, what's really terrifying. Uh, So I think that would be a really solid action um, horror um, mashup kind of thing. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what are your
1: picks? The Princess Bride meets Star Wars.
0: Oh, I'm so into that.
1: 70s, 80s space fairy tale where Andre the Giant is a droid and Darth Vader has six fingers. (laughs) And, of course, the greatest sword fight ever made is done with lightsabers.
0: I'm into it. I'm sold. That's fantastic.
1: I really wish this movie actually existed. Um, The guest meets Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Be our guest. Okay. And uh, last but not least, and this may have already been done, but if it has... Excuse my ignorance. Transformers meets Godzilla. That's
0: Pacific Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Oh, no, Pacific Rim. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And it was awesome.
2: Yeah. That's a great idea. And it, yeah, yeah, that's why it happened, because it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. The end. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohan and Mr. Arthur Gordon. What are your picks? Uh,
3: my first one is a little bit of a bleed over, but I want to see uh, The Men in Black meets Independence Day. I want to see Tom oh, Lee Jones yes. drop into that world.
1: I'm always interested in crafting canons around that. If you have a shared actor, so did Will Smith's character become the <laughs> character in Men in Black, or vice versa? And you know, I know. Think both of them have like Alien Awakening, so I don't think either of them are used to it. It's, it's been a while fun. since I've seen Men in Black, but it'd be
3: fun. Yeah, uh, my next one is also a Die Hard uh, mashup, but I want to see Wolf Cop meets Die Hard. Yes, yes, Just Die Hard yes. Wolf Cop. Lou, Lou is on vacation in what? California. Yeah. Uh, finally, though, I want to see uh, Jurassic Park meets Predator as a gang of velociraptors uh, just track down uh, soldiers uh, in the South American jungle for an hour and a
2: half. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I only have one pick, and that is sort of the family psychological horror drama, like uh, the Babadook, Mm -hmm. meets Alien. Let's put it in space. They're on the spaceship. They think it's aliens. They think it could be something else, and it turns out to be the horrors of what's going on inside the human mind.
0: I like that. I I do like that. That reminds me.
2: I did have one other,
3: and I want to see – a Halloween and that child the psychological family thing uh, kind of like the omen or something where the family adopts a young Michael Myers and yes. Then, like, there's some sort of inciting uh, accident. Oh, The Good Child, to right? The Colley yeah. film? Or, yeah. uh, I mean,
0: we need to talk about Kevin, but more of a horror movie than yeah, yeah, a psychological yeah. drama.
2: Excellent, excellent. We'd love to hear your picks, dear listener, uh, your favorite logline mashups.
0: This meets that.
2: So uh, give us all of This meets That uh, via those magical means of social media. But now we come to the end of the show, as we always do, with what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. <laughs> Let it burn, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What
3: say you? Uh, a couple of things this week, uh, kind of mildly fired. Uh, the first thing is, I caught up with Michael Fassbender in Slow West. Oh,
0: man. I did, too. It's so
3: good. Yeah, it is just a great movie. It, it was kind of like Wes Anderson. Terrence like made this baby of a Western movie, and it's a lot of fun. It's very good. It's really quirky. I never realized
0: just... how much Colorado looks like uh, New Zealand. Yeah, and... Uh, fassbender that's really
3: all you need i think
0: i think uh cody smith mcphee who uh was the resident weird looking kid for a while um really gives a great performance yeah, I, think I think it's it his, his first good. like adult performance yeah. and i thought he was really Real solid.
3: solid it's a it's a really good movie though. i think you know, it's it's on amazon prime i don't know if it's on netflix but you should definitely check it out if you get a chance uh the other thing is um uh the rumor mill is turning at work but uh, next semester, it is quite possible that the guest could be on a film studies course syllabus uh, because I plan to be teaching a screenwriting course uh, in the spring. And so I'm very excited about that. Outstanding. Hot dog. So that's a lot of fun. Good job. And so I will submit people to watch movies that I want them to watch, and it will be fun.
1: And we'll enjoy
2: it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Alexander Bohannon, are you fired up?
1: I am, yes. Uh, so, this weekend or week, I have finally caught uh, being John Malkovich. I know it's been a long time coming. It's so good, but though, that's right? such a good movie. Oh, my gosh. It was... I yeah I am in love with that movie. Definitely want to buy it, keep it on the shelf, and watch it again. Definitely too good for this podcast, I'd say.
0: That's <laughs> uh, a fabulous movie.
1: Yeah. So um, so that is a thing. I also uh, there have been a couple trending hashtags on Twitter that I wanted to bring up. One is hashtag masculinity so fragile, which is uh, basically a critique of all of the gender masculine gendered products that people market that way and talks about like, oh man, we got to have that manly soap and make sure that you
0: dog, know, my masculinity is so fragile. I bought a motorcycle. Yeah. Which, you know, true. Happened.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's an interesting hashtag. If you want to read some stuff about, um, gender roles as portrayed by media and advertising. And last but not least, there is a hashtag. Um, hashtag uh, bisexual visibility day. And I am bisexual, so I'm just going to drop that on the podcast. Alex came
0: out on Twitter and it was adorable. Yeah,
1: and I'm going to come out on the podcast because I don't know if anybody else has seen that. So uh, just going to gonna do the thing there. So,
0: Kirsten Thurkelson had the funniest day ever on Twitter with that hashtag. Oh, really? And you just need to go look at it because it's oh, man. so there was some
1: great stuff. Like,
0: Oh, my God. Th- uh, one was... Uh, bisexual uh, Visibility Day got me like and that was a gif of the chameleon character from Monsters, Inc. Unchameleon in front of the lockers and scaring the crap out of um, Billy Crystal's character.
1: That's amazing. That's so funny. That is, And that is accurate. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's all for me.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Alexander Bohan and Mr. Dalton Stewart.
2: Are you fired up as well?
0: I have watched a boatload of movies this week. Uh, but first, before I get into that, uh, I've started listening to a new podcast. Uh, not new to me, not new. It's uh, Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period, with W. Kamau Bell and Kevin Avery, uh, where they go through uh, Denzel Washington's uh, filmography in alphabetical order and just explain why he's the greatest actor of all time, period. Um, it's a really fun podcast. Uh, two very solid comics just talk about an actor they're very passionate about. Um, but also talking about why Denzel Washington is important and in, in terms of a representation of a black man in Hollywood who does what he wants and you know gets the roles that he wants and has you know is a powerful actor in Hollywood. But also talks about how he's one of the only powerful black male actors in Hollywood. So uh, a really really solid podcast. It's it's funny, it's enlightening, and you know uh, it's uh, it's a movie podcast. I listen to a lot of those, and I really enjoy it. So I recommend you check that out. Um, this week, I have watched so many movies uh, slow West, as Arthur mentioned spring, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I rewatched the first two entries in the uh, El Mariachi trilogy, El Mariachi and Desperado. Guys, there is a bar shootout in Desperado that is probably one of the greatest gunfights ever put to film it 's easily in the top ten. It is amazing i 've forgotten how good it is. It ends with Antonio Banderas and the last thug standing um, trying to pick up guns and find one that isn 't empty. And they're just standing, sitting in front of each other, like picking up guns, click, 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 click. And Antonio Banderas finally just like snaps his neck and yells, fuck you. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's such a good movie, guys. If you haven't seen uh, Desperado in a while, you really need to revisit it. Um, I caught up with The Overnight starring um, Adam Scott and um, Kerman um, Piper from Orange is the New Black. Kerman, oh my god. Taylor Schilling. There we go. I was trying to think of the actual Piper's name. Taylor Schilling um, and Jason Schwartzman and this French actress that I'm not familiar with. Uh, It's about a couple that's new to L.A., and they go over to a dinner party slash playdate for their kids at this couple's house, and little by little, they realize they might be getting invited to have a four-way with this couple, uh, slowly but surely. And that's what the movie's about. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a bottle movie. It all takes place at this house. Um, it's very funny. It's very insightful about relationships. Um, and again, hilarious, great cast. So I recommend you check that out. It's from earlier this year.
1: The title again?
0: The Overnight is the title of that film. Uh, and finally, I caught up with one of Arthur Gordon's favorite movies, The Truman Show, uh, which I have somehow never seen before. And...
1: Okay, I'm just surprised I've seen one movie that you haven't ever. There's
0: a lot of movies. There are uh, a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies. I, I, of movies. I just think it's I just never. I just had never gotten around to it. Yeah. And um, nope, Truman nope. Show is a great film. It is fantastic, and there is so much at play in that movie. Uh, you could do an entire month of podcasting just about that film because there are so many different things uh, working there, both existentially, philosophically, socially, um, culturally. There is just so much at work in that film um you know a lot of people will talk about it, it's it's very ahead of its time in terms of where reality television is now um but also where that what that film has to say about you know choosing your own reality and you know being the master of your own destiny thing is really great um and i i don't i've already taken a lot of time I also caught up with dear white people i might talk more about that next week but i finally caught up with that uh, release from last year it's amazing Um, So a lot of great movies out there, guys. All of these movies I just mentioned are streaming. Well, except for The Overnight. I got that on DVD. Uh, But every single other film I mentioned is streaming currently, so you should do that post-haste.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I am fired up about a single thing. I caught up with Henry Clouseau's The Wages of Fear which is quite possibly the best thriller ever. Uh, William Friedkin remade it in the 70s as Sorcerer. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. this idea of uh, this this group of sort of hapless tramps who are desperate for uh, financial means in a small Brazilian community, and uh, they, they finally get an opportunity to get a job that pays very, very well. It just involves trucking nitroglycerin in a truck across the jungle. Oh,
0: my God, that sounds terrifying.
2: It is, and I, I cannot tell you And where how, is this film from? Uh, this film is from 19... 19- 1953. I may be lying. It's and
0: uh, national origin? Oh, France. It's a French film. That's why I figured because of your French cinema class. your day. right.
2: Right. And I, I cannot tell you how blown away I was by this movie. I mean, the most white knuckled thriller I've Fat. seen in blown a blown away because yeah.
0: nitroglycerin. Well, that does
2: happen. Um, and you know, they are characters that you don't really like. They're not. They're not nice guys necessarily. They're not all heroes or whatever. But they are in terrible and dire circumstances, and then they are placed on the rack uh, for the film. And uh, it's pretty incredible. I, it's something I really, really enjoyed. So um, it's on streaming uh, on the Hulu Plus, so uh, could not recommend it more highly. So there you go, dear listener. Now you know about all of our fired upness. We need to tell you a little bit about next week. Next week, as we continue our Shocktober Marathon, we're going to give a little Wes Craven love. Uh, rest in peace, Master of Horror. And take a look at his meta-horror thriller, Scream.
1: Hello?
0: Hello. Who is this? Tell me your name.
1: I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Well, just some scary movie.
2: You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name.
1: Why do you want to know my name?
2: Because I want to know who I'm looking at.
3: Somebody is playing a deadly game.
2: Began with a scream over 911.
3: Someone who's seen one too many scary movies.
2: Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello. Hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who
1: can't act. She's always running up the stairs, and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting.
3: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Hey, what's
1: this Never,
0: ever, ever, under any circumstances say, I'll be right back because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. You can make the rules. The police
3: are always on track but they watch prom night and save time. He just kills by the moon to the phone.
2: So there you go, dear listener. Take a look at Scream. Take a look at this week's film. And, uh, you know, spend some time having conversation. This is always fun. You guys always give us lots of love and lots of hits on this one. And so we're hoping that that happens. And we hope we keep the conversation going because the conversation is what makes watching the films worthwhile. We'll see you next time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm inclined to agree with uh, Caleb, Justin so much as that I don't know if I want the same person playing uh, Wolverine and Mad Max.
1: I don't know. I don't mind. And
3: possibly James Bond.
0: Yeah. I could have seen but Hugh Jackman playing Mad Max.
1: Elba, isn't he going to be James Bond? Is, that, is Elba's never going to get that, Bond. That, <laughs> is that a victory of mine? Here's the deal.
0: Here's the deal. Here's the deal. All the people taking the morons out of the equation who bring race into the discussion because fuck them. Idris Elba's just too old. I... Daniel, he's like two years younger than Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig's got three movies left. I think. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So he'd be. I mean, they're 50s. almost. He. Yeah. Okay. He would be. I
1: didn't know there was an age. Yeah. He would aging out place. Well,
0: I mean, he would just be taken. The whole reason people stop playing James Bond is because they Cause get too old. old to play James Bond. Yeah. And he'd be taken over for somebody that's the same, almost the same age as him. I mean, they're. I maybe. Eight years tops, but I don't even think there's that many years between them. They're – I mean, they're both in their mid-40s right now. Okay. Uh, And Craig's – I know Craig might be 50 I think Craig's older, yeah. That's right. Craig's a little bit older, but, uh, yeah, Idris Elba's in his mid-40s. And by the time Craig gets done, he will be in his 50s. So uh, you kind of need somebody that's in their late 30s when it's time for them. In a perfect world, Idris Elba would have been Bond. Yes. it just the time didn't work out. Honestly, Tom Hardy will be too old probably. Because Tom Hardy's almost 40. Oh, yeah. And people That's forget that because facts. he's only been hot shit for about five years now. But he's been a working actor for over uh, um, almost 20 years. This the
3: guy that played Neville Longbottom to be James Bond. He's young. <laughs> oh, sexy.
1: Yes. Please.
0: I was about to say Harry Potter, and then I was like, no, no, Radcliffe's too short. I'm sorry. Rad- and
1: Radcliffe isn't cute.
0: Oh, you're a fool. Radcliffe's very handsome.
1: Are we done? Alrighty, thank you very much. That's, that's, oh, you looked at me like
0: you wanted more feedback. That's it. Now we're just talking about James Bond.
1: And and yummy boys, apparently. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, cut kind of as much as you want, Arthur.
3: I ate as little with some fava beans and a nice butter beer.
0: <laughs> But if you're from the British Isles...
2: Alan Rickman as Hannibal Lecter. Give it to me now.
1: Ooh, I'd be so. Okay
0: but that. I mean, you know, from the age of thirty-five to fifty-five, you're going well, Graham. If you're if you're British and have a dick, like those are the <laughs>
1: 30, 35 to
0: fifty-five British dick. Those are the only qualifications, as far as I'm concerned. You can yeah. have a short bond. I I know I already said. Reckless. You can have a short bond. You can have a fat bond. You can have a, a black bond, a white bond, an I mean, Asian Tom bond. Tom Hardy's
3: not like super tall himself. No, he's five. He's my
0: height. He's five nine. He's not a big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, D- Craig's not that tall. Craig's like five yeah, ten, five eleven. He's—I mean—he's taller, but he's not like a giant guy. Dick, British, thirty-five to fifty-five. That's it. No more qualifications. Can we have an Australian bond? I can't Jackman. Bond. No. Australian <laughs> Australian Worthington.
1: <laughs> Jackman's too old. <laughs> no
0: Australian bond. You got to be from the British Isles. You have to be Welsh, British. Welsh, as long as Jackman keeps that physique, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> you, can have a, you can have an Irish bond, but you cannot have an Australian bond or New Zealand bond. No Kiwis. Hugh no Jackman Aussies. has only gotten in better shape since Wolverine. Hugh Jackman I mean, is an anomaly. Yeah, he it doesn't make sense. If you there's stills from X Men, from X Men and X Men: Days of Future Past, side by side. Yeah it's horrifying
1: googling now he's just got like <laughs>
0: he's got like regular guy bod in x-men one yeah. like he's got he's in, i mean he's in good shape but he's just he's regular like dude bod ripped 0.08 and for percent yeah body now fat, he has no body fat it's like every single vein is at popping. the surface of his skin it's ridiculous